All right, Agency Nation, I am super excited to bring a guest on today for you and your enjoyment, Sarah Brown from Keller Brown Insurance Services in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania. She is on the cover of the Independent Agent Magazine. Check it out. I never made the cover. I've got to talk to some people. No, she's super deserved to be on the cover. And I think you're going to enjoy hearing about her story, her journey to uh, perpetuation, which she is currently undertaking. And I'm sure we're going to talk about some other things. We've talked a little bit before and found out we had some commonalities. Uh, so some of that will come out on the show as well. But super excited for anybody who's interested in their own journey for perpetuation for you to learn a little bit from Sarah Brown. So I am going to bring her in right now. Sarah, how is it going today? It's a great day in York County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me here, Jim. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Well, Agency Nation in their infinite wisdom decided to give us the reins today. And I'm not sure if they're going to regret that or not, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So give me the backstory. I know that you are currently undertaking perpetuation in your agency. Give me the journey. What led up to that? And you can even start, you know, how did you get into insurance or did you secretly want to be an insurance agent from the time that you were six years old? I never, ever wanted to be an insurance agent. I was probably embarrassed by my parents and we can never have any fun things like a, an ATV or a trampoline growing up because they were dangerous. Yes. <laughs> so no, I went into college to be a secondary English teacher because I love my high school English teachers. Me too. Yeah. Uh, based on some of the assignments, I quickly learned I didn't really want to be a teacher. So ended up graduating with a business degree. And at the time, it was not a good market to be seeking for a job. So my parents knew somebody at an insurance company that was hiring. So I started there as an underwriter trainee for a, an insurance company that is no longer in business. So I was there for about three years, underwriter trainee, assistant underwriter, underwriter, got my CIC, let's say June or July. And then the next month I got laid off and that was a mm. punch in the gut because I was yeah. really working hard. I just got my CIC and then something like that shouldn't happen when you're doing all the right things, but it did. It was a, in hindsight, it was a good lesson, but a painful one. I ended up getting hired in another department within the insurance company, but it was lost control. And when I was actually doing what I was supposed to do, it was more processing. Pr prior to that, I was working very closely with the VP building the department, which was exciting, but then doing my real job was more processing. And in, I wasn't happy there and my parents were hiring and they basically said, it's time. And I was like, fine. <laughs> I should have, negotiated, should have negotiated harder because I took a cut in pay and a cut in vacation, but it's family. So yep. that was in 2008. I started in personal lines and I, I remember walking in the office the first day. I mean, I'd worked for, okay, they were going out of business, but it was still like a billion dollar insurance company. And I was like, I got this. I have this company experience, have my CIC. If something happens to mom or dad, we'll be fine. And then I quickly learned, I don't know anything. So I have to start all over. And I started in personal insurance. I did that for about three years, then switched to commercial insurance. And once again, I was like this in personal lines. I knew what I was doing and I switched to commercial and knew nothing again. So 
spend time it's in the sales. It's the only way you get better. Service. Yeah, it's painful, but it's necessary. Yeah. yeah. Spent time in sales service. I have helped with claims. And then uh, January of 2019, when we turned 120 years, I was named the president and CEO in title that we are currently in the process of the financial transaction. So what does that look like? We also had some employees that had been with us 20, 30 years, and we, I think, have done a very good job of planning their transition. The last of the people that have been with us for a long time are my parents, and we are identifying, okay, what skill sets do we need? Who internally are we going to move up and what do they do? What do I do? And what do we need to look outside for? Now, and in the article, you talk about how there was this plan for them to take some time off yeah. each year for so many years. And then there was this thing brewing in January of 2019 when you were named president. <laughs> what happened? I think it starts with this K or C coronavirus, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we, so yeah, we don't speak hit. of it. <laughs> yeah. The pandemic hit and we needed their knowledge and skill set. I mean, my mom is an operational wizard and we had done remote work before. We had one employee who lives in Florida, who used to live in, in our in our town, moved to Florida, husband's job changed. So since 2008, we've had a remote employee. And then we've also had times where, again, to retain our talent, we, for personal reasons, they needed to work from home, but those were more one-offs. This is an operational pivot to in one week, everybody's working from home working and then okay beyond making sure people are okay how do we with our customers how do we communicate and make sure they're okay and then personal and commercial we're different dealing with different things so we, I, I needed their expertise and and we also have some other leaders within the organization so we all came together and we made it and they weren't going anywhere anyway they, yeah, they weren't traveling yeah. during coronavirus anyway so what else sure. are they going to so how did you do it? And, and you know, we really do have similar stories. I was in a, we were on a producer's incentive trip down in Mexico when everything started locking down, and literally me and my COO were looking at each other like we took time off away from everybody else, go, went and sat in like a little office and started basically doing emergency planning because, as you said, like overnight basically things changed, and we were very similar in the fact that we had one or two people who up to that point were working from home for various reasons, very similar, but then overnight we had to figure it all out. How did you guys do it? Well, we were somewhat prepared in that we, I remember it was a Thursday. We told our team Friday, we are going to have a meeting and we, you need to take things home. So you're prepared for, to work from home that Monday or Tuesday. Then the very next day it was, no, this is going to be a two on a two week basis. So like bring envelopes home, bring paper home. If you need your second monitor at your house, bring that home. Eventually we told people come into the office and get your chair because ergonomically you can't be sitting on a sofa or your kitchen table. You need, we said all that you need to be comfortable. Yeah. So yeah, we just kind of went through kind of envisioning what do you do all day? What do you need in the office? Get it home. And then, you know, we had some technical issues, like making sure we had enough internet speed, the phones, connecting calls, all those logistical things we had to figure out under a lot of pressure and very quickly. Were you involved in some of those decisions and discussions? Oh yeah. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. I mean, we work together as a team and we have people 
with different strengths. So our, we have some people that are so good at operations and then other people that are good at communications and we do gel very well together. Yeah. Isn't it funny how, you know, we have, we have all these plans and then things just get turned upside down all of a sudden and very quickly. I think from your standpoint in terms of going through the perpetuation and trying to learn on, this is kind of what I think is somewhat comical from like a, a God perspective is like, we have our plans and God's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you thought you were going to slow it down and have time to figure all this out. I'm going to make you figure it out overnight. Yeah. It's funny, right? Because it's moments like that when it is trial by fire that I think sometimes we rise to, to be better leaders because of it. And I have to imagine that it wasn't easy for you guys to do that, right? No, I mean, like it was a chaotic time. There was so much uncertainty. What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to our customers? What if, what if our people get sick? And then let's not forget being at home and having kids and trying to do school with kids and work. It's impossible. So, I mean, it was, it was a very challenging time and we just had to have, and, and there was, a, there were other things going on with society and we just had to have kindness and patience and understanding and just listen more because everybody was on edge. Now I know as a child still, you know, a 44 year old child that I have not always gotten along with my parents or let's say agreed with my parents on everything, right? We get along, but I don't necessarily agree. Did you and your parents agree on every decision that was being made at the time? Yeah, we, I mean, we're, we're almost always on the same page. Now we may have there may be some disparity, but we settle on the same thing. I've been very fortunate in that. Even if there's some things we disagree on, we still will all, at the end of the day, we're going to come together on the same page. And some of it may be, we agree with what needs to be done, but maybe the message has to be changed or don't say this, you have to say that. So yeah. no, I'm, I'm very fortunate that we do get along, which sometimes I think that makes the, their transition out harder because I like working with them. I really do. Yeah. They still have, they still bring a lot to the table. I also want to see them enjoy retirement. Yeah. You know, my father retired about six years ago. I still love getting together for breakfast with him occasionally and just talking shop and running different issues and ideas and, and things by. So that never stops, you know, as long as we have our parents here, right? Yeah. And especially if you've been working with them. How has the family dynamic been over the years in terms of, you know, you talk about different ways of messaging things. Have you, do you think there were times throughout your journey coming into the agency and then taking over operations that, you know, they weren't on board with things that you wanted to do or, or were there things that you were introducing or ideas that were maybe different than the way they had ever been done? And, and if so, how did they receive that? So there certainly have been things, ideas I ha I've had it's more been not that they say, no, don't do it, but they might not have the passion for it to yeah. want to do it themselves or maybe see the necessity of it. So where I'm coming from is more things online, digital marketing. Yes. <laughs> That's um, kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started our agency Facebook page. I'm going back to 2008 and I managed it for a while. And they were like, that's fine. But they didn't really understand what it can do. Yeah. And even now, so we, before this started, we talked about the need to have a, like a, some type of full-time in-house marketing person. 
because a lot of that falls on me, but I have, I I'm involved in so many other things and that role is so critical now versus, I mean, 20, 30 years ago, you put an ad out, you sponsor some things, you didn't have resources devoted to online. I mean, it just, it right. didn't exist. So that is a new role. It's a new overhead. Yep. How do you measure ROI? with a marketing, all things digital. I mean, that's a very hard thing. And of course there's all these other vendors that can solve all your problems in the world. So yeah, I think that would be something where I think that they understood that I was looking out for it. It mm -hmm. just wasn't their thing. And why should they? They're not looking as far in the future as I am anymore. Were you ever able to prove that ROI or at least point to the fact that, hey, this had to have been coming from here and not old ads or something like that that we put in the paper? I don't know if I ever sat down and said, look at this statistic here, look at this number, but competitors and insurance companies all talked about it and they were mm -hmm. all doing it. So I didn't have to be the one to prove it as much because everybody else was doing things. Yeah. Even like, so I think we're a very operationally strong agency. We are great at operations. And we used to mail new business welcome kit and ask people to write down a testimonial and mail it back. Yeah. And we got some testimonials that way. That's great. But then how do you get them online? And then yeah. how do you make it easy for somebody to leave you a testimonial? And then how do you get that on Google? Like they did a great job getting the first iteration. Now we're at like 2.0 and just kind of making tweaks and looking out for that. So yeah, I don't know that I, I ever had to prove it. It was they understood they're smart enough business people to know that things are changing. It was just their resources personally weren't going to be behind it. They were going to be doing other things. Yeah. And I know for me, there was a lot of convincing over the years. You know, my dad, I remember one time we were in a meeting and um, I had a slide pulled up and it had like a, a mountain and two climbers. And my dad chimed in and said, that's Jim pulling me up technology mountain. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was so true because there were so many things that, you know, it's just, it's the same concept of reaching out to people. And that's what I love. That's what's interesting. And I've heard this on some other insurance podcasts recently, including Agency Nation, is that that people aspect never goes away. And, you know, you and I beforehand were talking about the fact that we're both high school English teachers, which is so funny. And we even have a Rhode Island connection. Of course, it, for anyone listening in Rhode Island, you know that if you know someone else that has a Rhode Island connection, inevitably you're going to know them or know the location because it's so small. But with teaching, that was for me what I missed about it. The thing that really attracted me to the teaching was the people aspect of it. And then as I said to you beforehand, pivoting and deciding to join the insurance agency, that still 20 years later now for me is what I love about it. And I have to imagine for you too, that's. It's still educating. And I'll just a disclaimer, I never was a, an English teacher. I went into college to do that, but it's still educating. Okay. I mean, I think that's education is sales. Yeah, and that is a big, I think that we focus more on educating our customers so that they are empowered to make good insurance decisions versus selling a policy. Uh, we want yeah. our customers to be informed and to understand as much as they can what they're buying. And it's all education. Yeah. In what ways are you doing that? I mean, is it still just face-to-face? -face? Is it on video? Is it blogs? Is it, how are you doing that? A few different ways. And I would say it starts with our employees getting continuing education. And we're big believers in the CIC and CISR. 
So yeah. everybody who works for us is or undergoing or has one of those designations. So that's important. And then they That take is so timely, by the way. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we were literally talking about that in our senior leadership team meeting this morning about creating a more formalized program for allowing people who want to get designations to get them. So how are you handling that in your agency? It sounds like you're really encouraging them or you're requiring it or- It's expected that they- Part of your culture. It. Yeah, part of the culture. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, it's a big deal if somebody passes a class and then gets her, uh, we, it's, I'm so proud of our team because it, they're hard to get. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's a big deal. You so ring a bell, um, you take them out to lunch. Good little pat on the back. No, we, yeah. uh, no, we're, we're remote now. So we, we just yeah celebrate it through our Zoom chat. There is a increase in compensation, but again, it's yeah. expected that you're going to yeah. do this. So, you know, when we, when we are sitting in front of the customer, we're trying to say, okay, here's this thing, it's called backup of sewer and drain, but here's what it really does. So we try and use claims stories to educate. And then if somebody doesn't want to buy it, okay, fine. But at least we talked about it. At least they know. And then we also do a monthly newsletter, which consists mostly of articles we've written ourselves, And we do use a marketing consultant and they help with the actual writing, but we give them pointers. And the newsletter then becomes blog pieces. So this month we talked about the sharing economy for personal lines, uh, ride sharing and home sharing, and then commercial lines. We talked about how to attract employees. So yeah. that's not completely insurance focused, but if you're a business owner, that is top of mind today. I mean, that is the, when I sit in front of my commercial customers, that's what we talk about is talent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that in order to in, have someone be endeared to you, giving them information, knowledge, something that helps them first is always the way to go rather than just asking them for something, right? There's a great book I'm reading called, oh, it's so good. I forgot the name of it. Never Eat Alone. And okay. um, it talks about that concept of giving first before you ever even ask for anything. So giving them that knowledge and talking to them about things that are important to their business. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. I don't know if you follow Gary Vee, but he is big on giving too. I, I, yeah. I like Gary Vee, but yeah, he's big on that. Man, that guy is so spastic. I would love to have him on my podcast someday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I could handle him. I probably wouldn't say much because he'd just take over. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but he's brilliant. <laughs> Um, tell me about talking before about other resources, you know, talk about from an operational standpoint and decisions that you have to make as a new agency owner. I have to imagine that Wave, the work at home vintage employee, not an advertisement for them, but I we've used Waves and it sounds like y'all have a Wave. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, we had a need for somebody to do commercial marketing. So our our agents would complete an application and somebody to do the, to do the quoting with our carriers. And at mm -hmm. first I thought that might be a lower level data entry position, but the more we thought about it, we thought, no, we need a, a an experienced person probably don't need to full time and yeah. they're not going to be sitting in front of customers. So it doesn't matter where they live. And we worked with wave and we have Kay and she's wonderful. She's a CPCU instructor. So, I mean, to have somebody like that, on our team she works 20 hours a week doing she just does a fantastic job it's been a a very good decision for our agency and we onboarded her remotely in the midst of the pandemic and she's a great fit 
Yeah. Wow. And you say remotely, is she in Pennsylvania or is she somewhere else? She is not in the country. <laughs> so what? Uh, she's an American citizen, but lives on a beach somewhere not in the country. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But but still yeah. does just as good a job, I imagine, as somebody that's sitting here. Yeah. Major contributor to the agency, just with her experience. Plus, she's focused on... I don't want to say just one thing, but it's commercial marketing and it's remarketing and new business. So that turnaround time, plus her kind of review, did you think to ask this? What about this coverage? I mean, I can throw a question at her and she either knows an answer or has a lot of good resources to go to other people that she's worked with in her 20, 30 year career that she can bring to us. So um, it's working very well. that's awesome. And, and what a great fit too for your company culture. You said that she has a CPCU. You know, the fact that y'all kind of expect folks to have or achieve designations while they're with you, that's good. We talk a lot about company culture on Agents Growth Academy, but also in our own agency. That's a huge thing for us. And I'm curious, have y'all ever done any kind of like outside consulting in terms of agency culture or? Yeah, we, we work with a marketing consultant and they were, uh, this was kind of on their onboarding process of us trying to determine, well, what makes us different? Pulling mm-hmm. things out of us, they came on what we have, it's our corporate personality traits, family, integrity, diligence, and loyalty. Uh, and we call it our fiddle, F-I-D-L, but those <laughs> are kind of our guiding principles. Once yeah. they put a name to those values, it mm-hmm just made me more comfortable to make some decisions or to fall back on some things. Or if you're conflicted with not sure what to do, we look at them and think, okay, well, this is what's important to us. Yes. Wholeheartedly agree. We call them core values. And I'm sure you went through a process to, to uncover what yours were. We did in our agency and you're right. As soon as you identify that, and then you start either having ideas or issues or whatever it is, I, I love the word you said, falling back on it. It is. It's something, it's their core to your agency. They're, it's what you rely on when you're trying to figure anything out, solve any kind of issue, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like we do a lot, maybe a lot more front, more underwriting than some agencies. We ask a lot of questions and sometimes yeah. we get pushback. I've never had that many questions asked before, but what our marketing <laughs> consultant said was that's diligence and that's what makes you different. And that's a good thing. And to have them put it in those terms was, I didn't feel bad about us asking questions. I felt more empowered. No, there's a reason we do this diligence. I mean, that's a good word for asking a lot of questions. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. And I think anybody who is curious about how to do that in their own agency. There's very simple ways. Uh, I don't know how y'all did it. I know what we did was literally just through the people's names on the board who we thought, you know, if we could clone them, we would dominate the industry. And then we worked backwards and said, okay, what is it that makes them tick? And then like after we had maybe 75 different words and phrases, we whittled it down to about five. And those were our core values. Did you guys do something similar? Uh, it was a couple of years ago, so I don't remember the exact process, but we had a third party do it. It didn't come from us. And they asked yeah. questions of our team and they kind of pulled things out okay. from our team and then whittled it down to those four. There, you know, there were some common themes coming up that kept bubbling up and, and they kind of whittled it down and we were like, oh yeah, that's it. You nailed it. Yeah. 
And, and the coolest part about that too is that it's not like you you saw like a menu and you chose from it. It they were inherent in your people, in your culture. It's already part of the fabric of your culture, and all you did was uncover it. Yeah, yeah. And then once you have that, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Super cool. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. I think people are probably going to learn a lot from you. And, you know, congratulations again from being on the cover of uh, Independent Agent Magazine. Did you, did they contact you and just tell you or like, what was that experience like? I think everybody (laughs) else was probably too busy and they're like, oh, she'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Nah. I did have a, one of our carrier reps reached out afterwards and texted me like saying what a big deal it was. And my response yeah. was, Sarah doesn't respond to texts anymore. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, seriously, it's been a lot of fun having you. If people want to learn more from you, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? You can email me. It's Sarah B at Keller-Brown.com and it's Sarah with an H. Awesome. Sarah, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining The Nation on Agency Nation. Thank you, Jim. And look forward to seeing how the rest of the perpetuation process goes for you and for the many years of success. Thanks so much. Touch base in 10 years when I'm done paying for it. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) That's a whole nother episode. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it. Thank you. 